got two league, and I did. And anyway, I'll just do what I do, and thank you guys for doing what you do. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, hey, Gina Drummer asked me to invite you to her luncheon today. We are right after this worship service having a big birthday luncheon because today's her birthday. She is, what, 65 or something like that? And uh, Wow, so is that what? Okay, and she said, that's, that, thank you, and that she wants you to come. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We don't do that real often, have a big church-wide luncheon. We kind of had this idea in staff meeting one day, and we thought, you know what? Instead of doing the picnic on the 4th, let's do a luncheon on the 5th. Uh, and just kind of get everybody here. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun, so you're welcome to stay. Hope you would stay. Even if you're a guest and you didn't bring anything, I have cooked so much all night. Got you covered. You just stick with me, and uh, it's going to be a good, good time, a good meal. Uh, wow. Have you ever known people who are just really lucky? Just those people that you may be one of them, that I kind of married a lucky person, you know, that's just lucky about stuff, you know, those people who, uh, they get the part on their first audition, uh, their first business idea makes a million dollars, they just, you know, the first song they ever record becomes a number one hit, you know, those kind of people, uh, I had a friend in high school, of just, it's like everything he would do, it just worked out for him, and it just, without effort, and then there are those people who are sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, those are the unlucky people. You know, those people who are just the opposite. They, they like, attract bad luck like a magnet. And maybe you kind of can identify with them. If there's a hole in the ground, that guy's going to step in it. You know, if there's a tornado coming through, oh, it's going to hit his house. Uh, if somebody's computer is going to crash it'll be hers. You know, I mean, it's just those kind of people. And even though I don't feel like I really believe in the whole luck kind of thing, there are days that I feel like that person. And I feel like, well, I didn't even do anything, you know. And, and you know, when you get a new device, like a new phone or a new computer, and the instructions walk you through, like, this is going to be so easy. The village idiot can do this. You just go boom, boom, and boom. Never never happens with me. I don't care how simple it is, how no one could ever mess it up. I will, I will be the guy going back in the store going, it won't, it won't do it. It won't, oh, that's because you did, why did you do that? You know, I don't know why, because I'm, I'm kind of a smart person, actually, but, I, but I'm not real lucky. Now, here's the thing. At the end of the day, maybe you feel like that, too, but luck really doesn't have a lot to do with it. Luck didn't have a lot to do with the founding of this nation. The men and women who walked before us were not just lucky. Founding fathers were forceful. They were very purposeful. They had an idea, and they knew, and they were willing to sacrifice uh, to make that happen. It's not about luck. But in spite of that, there are times we think it is. And people will play on that. You know, they will kind of exploit that, that thing in you that, that feels like, well, maybe I'll get lucky or maybe I should do that. I get these letters all the time. You probably get them too, right? That offer you something and they kind of play on that. Here's one I got. I just want to read you part of it, okay? Because it was, it was like 15 pages long. It just went on and on forever. But here's, um, it's been about a month ago or so I got this letter. Dear friend, 
I'm their friend. Right off the bat, I, get, I think, uh, you don't even know me? Okay, so I start picking at it. This may be the luckiest day of your life. That got my attention. I thought, I could use a lucky day. You are one of only a very few selected people to receive this personal memo. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> By the time you finish reading this personal memo, you'll know exactly what to do to make 5000 10000 even $100,000 in cash in just the next few weeks. I thought about that too. I thought, why do you give me the option? Five, ten, uh, hundred thousand or five thousand? Okay. I'm going to go with a hundred thousand. That, that didn't, uh, right off the bat, uh, if it was a multiple choice. Plus, prosper in every area of your life. Check this out emotionally, personally, physically, romantically, spiritually, financially. All the money, power, and romantic love. <laughs> you have ever wanted can come to you effortlessly and automatically. <laughs> Isn't that what you've been waiting for? For romantic love to come effortlessly and automatically. It's like, yeah, 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 the G4 romantic love. Yeah, just watch that drop down. That's what he's promising. Listen, it says, all you have to do, all you have to do is learn the simple, easy, secret system a scientist spent his life uncovering. You know how our culture, if you're a scientist, and I, and I say this with respect to all the scientists in the room, there's like this secret thing that they got in school that we didn't get by majoring whatever it is you majored in. You didn't learn secrets like this. Only scientists in their laboratory, you know. With the, this, this, the scientists learned this. Anyway, the letter goes on and it describes how the author himself transformed his life. He was, he was living in this little shack. People always who write successful books start off from shacks. They're never like middle class. I don't know. He's in a shack. He's driving a clunker. But today, he lives in a $3 million mansion and he drives a new top-of-the-line Mercedes. And he goes on, he shows his suit, and he shows his beautiful kids and his beautiful dog. And I mean, everything's just, this guy's got it going on. Uh, and it goes on to promise that it's not just for him, that if you purchase this system, here's the quote, you will live like a millionaire without lifting a finger. Yeah! I'm all over this. Uh, and this guy's going to sell probably a lot of books because... A lot of people out there want to be able to do exactly what he claims you'll be able to do, attract success, especially if you can do it without lifting a finger. You know, you're just sitting there. That's better than the few hours of your spare time on your computer. You can get rich. You, know, you don't even have to have a computer. You don't have to do anything. You just sit back, and, and they start sending you money when you know the secret that the scientist knows. Well, I don't know. That's a little dubious, but... Um, over the years, I've met a lot of Christians who have that same approach to life. Yeah, we just learn to use different terminology. And our attitude sometimes is, is just like that when it comes to answered prayer or pursuing our goals or our dreams in life. 
It's like, we're not supposed to really have to do anything, are we? Doesn't that just, isn't God going to take care of everything? I mean, isn't there a, a saying or a verse that says that? That, you know, that we are just here, we just go along for the ride, and God just kind of brings that in. And I know for some people that, that attitude may sound spiritual, and it may, it may sound right, but it's not what Jesus taught. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus teaches us that we actually play an important role in our own answered prayers. Jesus teaches us that we are not to approach life passively, just sitting in your house and your lazy boy, you know, waiting for good things to happen for his glory or in, in your life, whether it's fate or fortune or luck. It doesn't have a lot to do with it. Someone said once that we create our own luck. We improve our own circumstances in life through prayer and through the corresponding actions that, that come along with prayer. Now, I, I entitled this message, Good Luck With That, because we say that to each other all the time. You know, somebody has an idea, or they're going to do something, you're going, oh, I don't know if that's going to work. So you know, we, we say, eh, good luck with that, you know, good luck with that, you know. Uh, but I actually don't believe in luck very much. I don't believe in fate or fortune or, or any of those things. And I think people who do believe in those things use that as an excuse just to live life in a passive way. It's not the approach that Jesus wants us to take. Here's what he said. Instead, in Matthew 7, he just is so upfront about how he wants us to approach our lives. I want to read to you from the 7th through the 11th verse. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. There's three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are all written in... Uh, and an imperative, a present imperative tense, which we understand it because it describes continuous, uh, continuous action. In other words, ask and keep on asking. Uh, knock, you know, seek and keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. It's something that you, you don't just do like, I guess nobody's there. You know, you ever do that? You know, you really don't want anybody to answer, so you... I did this sales thing once for a while, and I was embarrassed to do it, and I wasn't very good at it, and I always felt like I was, yeah, I just, I just, I was a little shy, believe it or not, and I, did, I didn't want to do it, so I would go, dude, nobody's here, let's go, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. I didn't want anybody to come to the door. Uh, we were selling coffee makers, you know, hey, and um, everybody would look at me like, we got a coffee maker, why don't you leave me alone? You know, it's like they're mad at you, and I think, I'm just trying to do my deal, I just, you know, gotta, gotta pay for my car, and so I wasn't very, very good at that. And so it's an excuse. And sometimes, if you're not careful, we, we will think, well, I asked the Lord about it when? I was like, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I prayed about it one day and nothing happened. So I guess that wasn't for me. Now, that's not what this verse is teaching. It says to, to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Jesus, us, Jesus is telling us that the key to answered prayer is to pursue it consistently, Persistently, I think even aggressively. 
to pursue Him. If you sit around waiting on your luck to get better and offer up a couple of half-hearted prayers, you're never going to see, and you're not going to create any lasting change in your life. It's in these verses that Jesus tells us how to present our prayers to God, how to approach our goals and the dreams and ambitions, everything else that he's given us. And he mentions three specific things. So what I want to do, and I know for many of you this is probably a familiar verse, but I want to walk over this and make sure that we're applying this to our life. Again, and I probably say this every Sunday, if what we talk about and what we teach stays in this room, and we just leave it here and go, oh, that was kind of nice, that was a good theory, and philosophically, that just, oh, what a beautiful thing. And then we go out and live our lives separated from the teaching of Christ, then, then what is this for? Let's just go eat. No, 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 not yet, not yet, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's make it real. Let's, let's live this once we know it. So here's the first thing. He says to ask consistently, to ask consistently. In verse 7, the Bible says, ask and it will be given to you. And this is what I mean. Make sure that your actions are consistent with what it is you're asking for. Don't ask for one thing and then do another. I was speaking at a youth camp once, and there were just there were like hundreds of students there. And I met this college-age counselor, and uh, we were in this little prayer circle thing, and we talked for a little bit after that, and she said, you know, I've been praying for years that God would send me the right man. I said, are you dating anybody now? She said, yes. And I said, oh, where did you guys meet? She goes, well, actually, we met in a bar. I said, excuse me? She goes, yeah, we met in this bar. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're probably not going to meet the, the man that God has in store for you. You know, God's man for you in a beer joint. I know that's risky. You may meet him at the grocery store. You may meet him while standing in line at you know, the DMV or in front of a red box at Walgreens or maybe in the waiting room at the doctor's office. Hey, you're sick? I'm sick. What's your name? You know, I've used worse lines, okay? I've, uh, <laughs> or in the foyer after this service, what I'd like to happen is if you're single, if you would, when you go out, go to the left... There will be a number there if you just pick... No, I'm just kidding. Um, Calvary, E-Calvary. Um, let me ask you, what are you really asking God for? I mean, do you really want Mr. Right or do you just want Mr. Right now? Are your actions consistent with your prayers? We've got to ask ourselves the same question. We need to look at our prayer list, our goals, and all the things we want out of life, and ask ourselves, am I acting in a way that's consistent with what I'm asking for? Oh, Lord, please help my kids to turn out well. I'm not going to give them any direction. I'm going to criticize them every step of the way. Well, Lord, would you just bless them and help them to turn out good? No. Your, your prayers have become so less effective. My actions indicate what I'm really asking for. You know where I see this contradiction happen a lot? It's in churches. Their prayers are, Lord, help us to reach the world. Lord, help us to reach students when they come back in the fall. Lord, help us to touch young families. Oh, Lord, we want to minister to the lost. But our actions say, oh, and Lord, that's cool as long as it's not inconvenient. 
Don't make us come out on another day other than this time. Lord, we, I hope this is not going to cost any money. How much is this going to... Lord, do we have to change anything? Can we just keep everything exactly as it is and, and cause a spiritual revolution? Because we don't like change, and it makes us uncomfortable, and it kind of bugs us. You know what? It just doesn't work that way. When we pray, we need to ask in a consistent manner. We need to make sure our actions are consistent with our prayers. You can't say, Lord, help me to lose weight sitting in Krispy Kreme. (laughs) I know, I've tried it so many times. Lord, as this goes into my mouth, make it whole wheat. Make it it something else. Yeah, and I'll have another one. Yeah, it just, it's not going to happen. Lord, help me to lead my friend to Christ. And then tell him an off-color joke. Lord, bless me financially. You know what? I refuse to give. I'm not going to follow biblical principles. I'm not going to tithe. But you bless me anyway. just doesn't happen like that. The thing is, if your actions are not consistent with what you're asking for, what is the solution? You know what most people's solution is? Well, I'm just going to stop asking then. I don't think prayer works. Um, you know, no, absolutely not. That's not the solution. Is to start acting in ways that are consistent with what you really want. I want you to think about what's on your prayer list right now, and ask yourself, what can I do? This is where it's going to get really practical, and this is worth the ticket in right here. What can I do that is consistent with this request? See, sometimes. We just sit back, you know, and I had this idea once, and I was talking to a guy who's, who's an author, and uh, it's actually a guy named Charles Stanley. You may or may not have heard of him. He's a pastor down in Atlanta of a little church there, and he's written a book or two, and I, and I had an opportunity once to talk to him, and I said, well, you've written so many great books. How did you do that? And he just looked at me. He said, I got out a legal pad and a pen, and I just started writing. He said, and every day I go into my study, and I write four, five, six pages, and at the end of a year, I've written a book. I thought, oh. That's like 10 years ago that I had that conversation with him. You know how many books he's written since then? You know how many I've written? None. Because I don't sit down every morning and write five or six pages. Oh, you know, so I can pray. Oh, God, let me wake up in the morning and there be a book. You know, just, well, here's my book. You know, no, I can pray about that. But I need to act consistently or nothing really is going to happen. So the same thing works for you. Same thing works for you. What is consistent with that? I'll give you another personal example. I was struggling with this guy for a while. Um, we had bad feelings toward each other. Uh, we had known each other for a long time. But we were in this disagreement. So there's this long silence uh, between the two of us. I was so right. He was so wrong. <laughs> of course. Um, Isn't that the way it always is? Uh, And eventually, I just began to pray, Lord, I don't want to be a slave to resentment, and I I don't have the authority now to preach on that, and I I, I would have to always go around that issue, and so I I don't want a relationship to go down the tubes, and I go, yeah, he talks a good game, but in his personal life, it's just not real. So would you heal this thing? Lord, would you bring healing to this? And then I asked this question, what can I do, what can I do that's consistent with this prayer? Here's what I did. I thought, you know what? I'm going to send him a book. I'm just going to give him a book. So I bought 
how to win friends and influence people. No, <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, yeah, I thought it would. Um, how, to, how to be nice. Um, that, that wouldn't have been very subtle. So I got him this book about baseball because I'm a baseball fan. He's a baseball fan. Uh, and along with the book, I just sent like a little note and said, hope you enjoy the book. Hope you're doing okay. That's it. That's, that's all I said. That's all I said. And amazingly, something began to happen with my resentment. It just began to melt toward this guy. It just went away. Later, he called me and he said, hey, I got the book. I want to thank you for that. And that initiated this conversation and we got the air cleared between us and we agreed to disagree about this issue, but we realized the issue is really not that big a deal and everything worked out pretty good. Now, that doesn't always happen like that, but it's the right steps. This makes your prayers so much more powerful. When you pray for something, be prepared to take actions that are consistent with what it is you're asking for. You're going to be amazed at the difference that that makes. Now, if about Wednesday or Thursday I start getting baseball books in the mail, I'm going to know. Okay, no, 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 don't, so don't, don't do that. Hey, Dan, yeah, you're the one I'm praying about. Here's the other idea. Seek persistently. Verse 7, seek and you will find. Seek, you will find. One of my family members, maybe I'm just making this up, they have trouble locating things. I mean, I, you know, important things like books or phones or glasses or gloves or umbrellas or keys, you know, those kind of things. Uh, and this scene's happened more than once. And, and it's so funny that you always lose something at the most inconvenient time. You know, you're not sitting around the house going, I've got a couple of hours to kill and I've lost my keys. So we're just going to spend this time. No, it's as you're headed out for your appointment, you go, my keys. My key, where are my keys? And then all the people around you who are so supportive and so helpful ask brilliant questions to assist you. Where did you have them last? I had them on the, t- oh yeah, there they are. You know, you think, well, I did not think of that. You know, well, we're, and then they say smarty things. Well, they didn't grow legs and walk away. They didn't, they didn't, they don't, they didn't sprout wings and fly off. You know, you think, that's helping. That's it. Yeah, more of that, more of that, because I think we're going to, I think we're going to get, and it's just kind of funny. I was talking to somebody in our church last Sunday morning, and they said, they said it was just time to leave for church, and our child walked in, and he had one shoe on. And I was just coming in with one shoe. So said, where's your other shoe? He said, I don't know. I can't find it. I don't know. I can't find it. Like if I just show up with one shoe, the other one will magically appear somehow on my foot. And so they're like, ah. And of course, I'm thinking, wouldn't you logically take, logically take off both, like you'd either lose both shoes or no shoes. It's like you put all your socks in the dryer, they would all come out. We're back, you know, but... Just one of them comes back. Where's your mate? I don't know. <laughs> They're gone. So this way this kid was. He, just, he lost his shoe. And you think, well, it would probably be in close proximity to the other one, but it just doesn't work that way. So parents said, um, I asked your son, where, where, did, where did you take your shoes off? And they said this, off my feet. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. Uh, off my feet. Where do you think, you know? So you start looking for the shoe, and it always turns up, and this shoe, it always turns up in an odd place, like it's up on the bookshelf, 
It's in the refrigerator. It's between the cushions of the game. How did your shoe? Never mind. Just put it on. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just go. The idea is you have to keep looking until you find it. You've got to keep looking for it until you find it. I lost some little headphones that, that I, I use all the time, like, you know, with my iPod. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I looked, and I was just so frustrated. And I look at the office, and I look at the car, and then I look back at home. And I did the thing of where you retrace your steps and think, okay, I was sitting here, and I was listening. Then I, was, then I went to a walk with the dog. And then I, you know, and you just kind of keep, and they just wouldn't turn up. They're in the bonus room, down in a chair, and Michael found, guess what I found? And I had forgotten. Oh, yeah. I didn't look in there. I forgot about going in there to sit in the corner and just to, to listen. You got to keep looking. You got you to keep you know, looking for what it is. And in the process, you find out I can't just sit on the couch and do nothing until mom finds it. You know, in the process, you begin to learn, you know, okay, I'm going to put both my shoes in the closet together uh, next time when I take them off. And and I'm going to seek persistently whatever it is I'm looking for. Hey, have you heard the story of Mel Fisher? Do you know who he is? He's a treasure hunter, and back in the 1960s, he began diving off the coast of Florida in search of this uh, priceless treasure from the Spanish fleet that had sunk in the 17th century. He searched for more than 16 years, day in and day out. Some of his team members just quit and gave up and said, this is ridiculous. A lot of his investors lost faith in him, and they pulled out their backing, but he kept looking. He kept looking. Finally, it was on July 20th, 1985, that he found what he was looking for. There was a Spanish galleon that had gone down that contained a treasure worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It took him more than 6,000 days of persistent seeking, but he finally found it. Jesus said, if you want something, keep looking for it until you find it. Don't throw up a prayer and walk away. You want your marriage to work? Then keep looking for ways to make it work. You want your business to thrive? Then keep looking for ways to do your job better. Do you want to experience an overwhelming sense of God's presence in your life that fills you with peace? Where you're content day in and day out. And keep looking for that. These things may not happen on the first try. Sometimes they do. Sometimes I'm amazed. You pray for something, you go home, and boom, there it is. And you, oh, Lord, thank you for that. But sometimes it's the second or the third or the fourth. You know, you just keep seeking. You keep looking for ways to make that happen. Keep opening up the door so that God has a clear path to make that happen. Jesus said, keep on seeking and you'll find it. You'll find it. So to me, that sounds like we are at least partly responsible for the answers to our prayers. That God wants to involve us in that. Prayer is not, listen, prayer is not... Uh, just sending God a to-do list and saying, hey, if you don't mind, can you get this done for me? I'll be over here. Uh, no, it's a, it's a matter of saying, God, I believe and I know you can provide for me, and I am going to keep looking for the answers to this prayer as long as it takes. As long as it takes. Somebody you're praying for, and you think, well, you know, I prayed for them for a while, and I don't see any change in their life. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Uh, you know, sometimes 
you know, I know the first question that I may be asking the foyer is, well, couldn't it be, what if God just doesn't want me to have what I'm asking for? That could be the case. There are times that you pray for stuff, and I suppose that may be what's going on. But there is so much that God does want us to have that we don't have simply because we persistently seek after it. I'd rather you be praying along for a month or two and realize, God, I don't think this is your direction. I don't think this is what you're speaking into my life, and I don't think this is what you wanted, and I've prayed all this time, and I'm going to get on a different track now. I would rather you do that than just to throw up one or two prayers and go, well, it didn't happen, so I guess I'm going to... I'd rather you consistently, you know, just consistently pursue Him. There's one other idea. Because, you know, God doesn't want your marriage to be miserable. He wants you to have a happy marriage uh, with the person you're currently married to. He's, he's <laughs> I say that because I had, a, I had a guy once say, yeah, and I think, you know, it's this girl I work with. I think God wants me to be married. I said, no, 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 no. This isn't like a trade-in deal or anything. This is not what this is talking about. Um, you know, it, it, you seek that. God wants you to have, you want to have a dynamic, Christ-centered relationship with your children. Seek it until you find it. Don't, don't let that go. You know, a meaningful God-given mission uh, that you can be involved in to change the lives of other people, that's waiting for you. Seek that until you find it. Seek that. Okay, the, the, uh, the last thing is this. Knock fearlessly. The Bible says, knock and the door will be opened to you. Knock. Keep knocking and it'll be opened to you. There's this progression, it seems to me, of this of intensity in the words of Jesus in this verse. And check it out, this, because this is how it comes to me. Asking God for something requires a step of faith, right? I mean, it, there's something just in that act, like, Lord, I'm going to ask you for this, because that's where I'm going to go. That takes some faith. Seeking after it, hoping for finding it, that that requires a little more faith. But being bold enough to knock at the door of opportunity requires even greater faith. That requires a lot more courage. Think, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to jump off the high dive. Because when you knock on the door, you're risking rejection, you're risking failure, there's all these dynamics. You think, oh, all of a sudden I'm putting myself at risk. I mean, it's one thing to ask God, Lord, would you send Miss Wright into my life? And it's another thing to approach Miss Wright and ask her out on a date. Especially if she's not convinced yet that you're Mr. Wright. <laughs> you know, that's, it's a little more risky that way. In fact, let me just ask, how many of you guys in the room are single right now? You're single. Single guys. Okay, don't be ashamed. They're just like, yeah. It's not, it's not an accusation. Okay, okay, how many of you guys are single and you're not dating anybody? You're like real single. <laughs> Some guys are like this. He's over here waving like, what? What, what are we going to get? What are, who over here? You're like, you're single? Not dating anybody? You're kind of loose? Is there anybody in this room that you've ever thought, I'd kind of like to go out with her? I think you should ask her right now. <laughs> I know it's a risk, but we're talking about knocking right now, fearlessly. And we're not going to look. We're just going to... Everybody kind of... is this? You think, oh my goodness. 
And most women don't know how that feels, at least in our culture. I mean, that's a huge thing. How many times have you picked up the phone and went, mm, no, I'll text her. No, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I'll email her and ask her. No, I'll have, and this is an old trick. You might check this out. You have your best friend talk to her best friend, and is there anything going on there? And, you know, and we, we try to do everything, but at the end of the day, you've got to step up. You've got to man up, woman up, <laughs> and be bold enough. Say, God, it's one thing for me to ask you to bless my business. It's another thing for me to call on a customer and try to sell him the product. They may not be interested, and if they are, thank you so much for listening. Good day, and I'm going to the next thing. It's one thing for you to ask God to heal the relationship with your rebellious child. It's another thing to reach out to that child and attempt to tear down walls that have been built between you and begin to do some things and swallow your pride. It's one thing for God you know, to be asked again and again and again, Oh Lord, would you help us to reach the world for Christ? It's another thing for you to approach people one-on-one and really talk to them about their personal relationship with God. It gets uncomfortable. You see what I'm saying? Knocking on the door takes courage. And it's the hardest part of this equation. But it's the part where you see the dividends. This is the payoff. This is where the answer is hidden. You've got to knock courageously. You know, I was looking for a job once years ago, and my, my dad came in and said, you've got to get out there and... Beat the bushes. You gotta go out there and beat the bushes. You think, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I think it is. Because by knocking on the door, you're creating a whole new future. I coached Little League for several years. And there were a couple of guys on my team one time, uh, John and Keith. And John and Keith were pretty comparable in their talents. They were both pretty good ball players, but they had attitudes that were drastically dis- different. John was, he was, he was a good ball player, but when the game was on the line, when there was pressure, he didn't want to, want, he didn't want to be the one to go to the plate. I don't want to, you want to hit for me? Let's trade batting order because I don't want to be, a, if we had a couple of outs, he did not want to be the guy to get up to bat. He just didn't want to do it. Keith was just the opposite. He was, his, his attitude was, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Let me hit. Let me bat. Let me bat for you. Let me bat. You know, let me see what I can do. Now, he messed up. I mean, he made as many mistakes, and he was just as good. I mean, they, like I said, they were pretty equal, but the attitudes were, some, were really different. I remember a game that Keith was pitching in, and it was the bottom of the last inning. We were one run ahead, and they had two outs, but the bases were loaded. I mean, it was a lot of stress. You know, parents were coming up out of the lawn chairs. Everybody's kind of, you know, they're best hitters. They're right in the heart, right in the meat of their lineup. I called a timeout. I said, okay, I'm going to go out and talk to Keith, see if he's okay and if he's shaking up. I start walking out of the dugout, and he's shaking his head no. No. And you can tell he's getting upset. No, no, no. And, and by the time I'm halfway across to him, he's saying, don't take me out. Don't take me out. I can do this. I can do this. And I just started laughing. I said, Keith, I'm not trying to pull you. I said, I just came out here to kind of give you a little pep talk and to build up your confidence. But I can see that's not necessary. (laughs) It looks like you got it under control. I walked back in the dugout. And this is one of those beautiful days of summer that you remember forever. 
he strikes the guy out. We end up winning the game. I mean, it was just one of those fun things. Everybody goes and gets pizza, you know. Uh, and we could have just as easily lost. He has given up his share of hits. I don't know if you've ever coached the league. You either walk or you get a hit. Every now and then you get somebody out. A double play is, oh, that is like miracle land. It's just, and that's why we're doing it, to work on those skills and everything. Uh, so it would have been easy for us uh, to lose. But you know what? I so admired his courage. He wanted the ball because the game is on the line. You remember an old movie called The Replacements? I think Gene Hackman was in it, and he's the coach. And uh, he turns to the quarterback, and he said, Winners always want the ball. Winners always want the ball. Hockey legend Wayne Gretzky said, You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Knock on the door and knock fearlessly. Create opportunities. Give God a chance. I want you to look at it this way. When we pray for something, we become a partner with God in that. The, the key to answered prayer is not, I'm just going to put it in neutral and wait for something to happen. No, you put it in overdrive and wait for things to happen. One of the most talented musicians I know never saw his ministry got off the, get off the ground because of the simple reason he would not knock on doors. And we were praying together one night and talking about this again at a youth camp. And I said, man, I think you ought to do this. You ought to do this. He said, no, I don't want to build my own kingdom. He said, if I have a ministry of music, it's going to be because Jesus wraps it up and just gives it to me as a gift. I said, oh, okay. Kind of like my book. <laughs> to, to an extent, he has kind of got the right attitude, not wanting to perform music to get glory and you know, be, get a lot of attention and you know, to be the, the big show and all that. But in spite of his spiritual rhetoric, I think he's still trying to do it his way and not God's way. Because God says, no, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. Keep working hard. Beat the bushes. Stay in my will. Stay at a place. Watch me do amazing things as you create these opportunities. People say, well, what if God doesn't want that for me? Here's, here's, a, here's an idea. If you're not sure, just take one step in that direction and ask God as you do, would you reveal your will? Would you open this for me? If you're seeking God's will for your life, He's not going to trick you. He's not going to let you pursue that on and on and on and then go, ah, it was this, not this. Ah, you know. He's not going to do that. Verse 9 and 11 says this, Which of you... If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Luck doesn't have anything to do with it. We ask. We make sure our actions are consistent with what we're requesting. We seek persistently God's answer, and we keep seeking it until we find it. We knock fearlessly. Even in the face of possible rejection, maybe we might fail, we keep knocking. We keep knocking. Because that's where you're going to find the opportunities. We are not a nation founded on luck. Wow, those, are, those pilgrims, wow, they were lucky. No, and you know what? Let me just say this. 
and I'm not going to go there because our time is done, and we got great lunch downstairs, but uh, we are a Christian nation. We were a Christian nation. And I know recently it's been said, and I'm not trying to start something that, well, we're not, we never were. And I was talking to a guy the other day, he said, well, all our founding fathers are deists anyway. I said, really? Then why did 27 of the 56 founding fathers have a Christian seminary degree? It's not a deist. Okay, go to D.C. and just look at every building. You had to sandblast the whole city to get all the scriptures. And the, I mean, it's, just, it's an amazing thing what God has done, not through luck, but through our faith in Him, through the vision that people had for freedom, through persistent prayer and courage and sacrifice. This just didn't happen. We're not sitting here today in our liberty to worship Him because everybody stayed home and threw up a couple of prayers. No, they prayed, and then they went out and did whatever they had to do. And some of you are sitting in this room. The same principle works in a person's personal life. We seek Him. Now, when you came in, hopefully you got one of these little handouts. And uh, if you've torn this off, what I've done is gone ahead and printed on, on this part uh, just those three ideas that are wrapped up in this Scripture. I'm going to ask consistently, I'm going to seek persistently, and I'm going to knock fearlessly. There's some other opportunities down 